the best national association for business economics meetings in years. Just a terrific lineup down there. Someone like Diane Swank, hugely involved with NABE, and of course Michael McKee in attendance with his important interview with Susan Collins there, the Treasury Secretary amid this bank crisis. One of the great joys here is I really don't know who's coming on the show. There's this immense faith that our bookers always get the best people, and there's sort of like a back and forth, but you know, the surprise Lisa of Jim Bianco walking in uh, the room was pretty cool. I mean, I did not expect this. He got it on a rundown before. I never. (laughs) I was very excited that he was going to (laughs) come. I never uh, uh, look at the uh, rundown as well. This is what's going on in New York, and this is why Bianco of Chicago is in New York in an hour with Yuri and Timmer of Fidelity, who's outstanding on charts. He will be ensconced in front of twelve hundred college kids. For those of you, it's a closed entry. You can't just show up, but it is spectacular. Here I was yesterday with four esteemed economists in front of 1,200 smart college kids asking Quinnipiac College. This is their baby up in Connecticut. And a major shout out to all at Quinnipiac College is Jim Bianco will be in a room full of silence. Why is that? Well, guess what? Elon Musk, meet Jim Bianco. Jim Bianco is what Twitter is all about. And he is definitively led on Twitter in this banking crisis with intelligent threads. He joins us right now. Have the flows stopped? The deposit flows, the money market flows, where are are we right now? It hasn't stopped, but it has slowed down a little bit. But it is still, if you go back to prior to March 8th, a huge number of, mo- of money is moving from the banks to higher yielding alternatives, whether it's money market funds mm-hmm. or it's uh, treasury bills or ETFs that are right. very short term. The public has woken up. They found out that I'm getting zero at the bank. I can get four and a half in something else. If you have two hundred fifty thousand dollars, that's in the bank. That's like fifteen grand a year or fourteen grand a year, and they're making that move. They have right. been, and they're not stopping. Is it still destabilizing? There seems to be a zeitgeist out there that, well, that was harsh, Silicon Valley, and all that, but we're through that, and now there'll be a lesser instability. Do you buy it? Yes and no. Yes, the the, the initial response that. Is another bank going to fail? Probably not at this point. Is there going to be another hemorrhage? Hopefully not. But is the public going to slow down? Are they going to say, I'm fine with two basis points, literally, at my Chase account, and I'll just leave my money there? No, they're not going to do that either. So the flow, I think, away from the low-yielding bank deposits to high-yielding alternatives will continue, and that will continue to pressure banks as they struggle to understand their deposit base. So let's talk about those money market funds, which reached $5.2 trillion. This is the latest data from ICI that came out on Wednesday. We have seen it increase at an astronomical pace over the past two weeks with $100 billion alone. Over the past four weeks, more than $300 billion of inflows, which is taking us back to the pandemic era. Where do you expect this to go? What are you looking for for when this hits the breaking point at a time when you're also starting potentially to see the ramifications of the rate hikes and other capacities? I think once you see the um, the spread between deposit rates and market rates collapse and basically offer the same deal, as long as, like I said, as long as you get 1% or less in the bank and you can get four more than four in a money market fund, that is going to continue. Also keep in mind, 
in the post-financial crisis era, 75% of the money that is invested by a money market fund is either in a T-bill or a Fed reverse repo. So in the old days, pre-2009, you'd say, well, the money's going to money market funds. They buy commercial paper, and they still fund corporate America. Well, they still do that, but not nearly to the degree that they used to. They're funding the government, and they're funding the Fed now. So translate this into six months from now and what this means in terms of access to credit, either defaults <laughs> or simply firings and sort of a, a, restraint, a restraint with respect to business plans. How much more do you see that than perhaps is getting priced in? Well, I, I do worry about that. Collectively, the regional banks are $6.8 trillion in assets. Collectively, they're larger than J.P. Morgan and Bank of America combined. So collectively, they matter. They fund 80% of commercial real estate, 50% of personal loans, 40% of, of commercial industrial loans. If they've lost visibility on their deposit base and they don't know what's driving their depositors and their depositors are leaving and going somewhere else, they're going to pull back on their lending. A, a, a quick point. When you ask, when we talk about banks, I always like to ask people, what do you think a bank is? And most people would say, it's a warehouse where I keep my money and I get an interest rate. Okay, that is the definition of a bank. But for regulators and bankers and everybody else, it's a, it's a credit intermediation. It's a way to get a loan. It's a way to extend a business. And if the warehouse of money is going somewhere else, that lending app, uh, action is going to really change. We're seeing that in the price of bank stocks. Where are we not seeing this priced in? Well, the thing about bank stocks is there's two things about them. Is it are they pricing in potential more defaults or to failure? Or what I think they're pricing in is um, a squeeze of their margins because they're going to have to raise deposit rates and their profitability is going to be under pressure. That's why the bank stocks have not really recovered mm -hmm. because there's a worry that in order to get past this problem, they have to start making less money. Let's bring it back to the Fed. Economic data here in seven minutes. Michael McKee will join us uh, uh, with that. Jim Bianco, the Fed here, and we had no landing, this landing, dot, 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 O'Hare landing, whatever the landing is. What's the efficacy of a pause right now? Or as I mentioned earlier in the show, how about three pauses? Pause, 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 just to wait to see to get to July to see where we are. Is a pause a good thing? Um, if, if we continue to have a credit crisis or credit problem, yes. <clears throat> but the Fed is not thinking pause right now. They're thinking about inflation. They're thinking about a pre-March 8th world <clears throat> and whether or not we are going to continue to see, you know, high inflation, persistent inflation, a no landing, a strong economy. If that's what they believe, they're going to continue to move forward with their rate hikes. But if we start to see a slowdown in credit, that should lead them to a pause. Cubs, White Sox, what do you think? What's the story in Chicago this year? Yeah, they're both 100% um, right now, 1-0, and oh, and uh, we're at the Cody Bellinger era in the in the north side of town, and we're still in the Tim Anderson era in the south side of town. Which way are you tilting? I mean, who, who are you going to see? This is a hugely important Midwest thing. It really is. At this point, I, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of leaning towards the Cubs. I've always kind of had a bias for the White Sox, yeah, but the Cubs yeah. are the more interesting team right now. So we've got news we can use there. You see that? <laughs> south side. Oh, Let's go. Jim yes. Bianco, thank you. And, and Jim, congrats. Congratulations on being definitive on Twitter. I mean, if Elon Musk needs to know anything about the communicative thrust in the crisis of Twitter, there's other people out there as well. But Bianco's doing these threads. You can just feel all of Twitter just stops and goes, oh, God, another Bianco well, thread. i got to read it. It's a continuation of the amazing <clears throat> notes and the amazing reports that he's put out for decades. And I will say, and I've always enjoyed reading them, but what he was talking about there, parsing both the credit impulse of some of these smaller banks with how the Fed responds, 
it is an incredibly difficult moment, especially because what you see is market pricing in one response and then yeah. potentially having to come out and jar them at a time when we're seeing unprecedented volatility in some of the short end rates. The mathematician Clifford Astis sends his greetings. He's out here on Twitter going back and forth with what Bianco's saying. I mean, it's when you get Jim Bianco and Cliff Astis talking about what we're doing, that's pretty cool. 30 we're seconds, to, we're up Jim. to 42 viewers. <laughs> 30 seconds, Jim. Do you think that the Fed can avoid cutting rates by the end of this year based on the market <clears throat> kind of pushing them that direction? No, if the economy um, does take a dive, they'll have to respond to it. So they'll, the, they don't want to do it, but they'll be forced into doing it if we have that kind of credit problem that I fear. PC deflator here in six minutes. You got a view? Uh, watch the core. The core has been surprising to the upside, and I think that that's going to give the Fed more impetus to raise rates if we see As in Spain, you know, there's some other nations having the same trend. Right. You've seen that all throughout. A lot of countries have been reporting that the core numbers have not been coming down as fast as they hoped. Very good. Uh, Jim Bianco with us here. Uh, Very importantly, congratulations on the 5%, 5%, I should say, dialogue as well. We dive into 30